I've removed all clicky pens from my vicinity because on the last one I clicked a lot, which is what you did on the first one, so I can see how you did it. Yeah, same. That's what I've done now. I should take away temptation from myself. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know why I had a pen. I didn't need a pen. I'd written down all my notes already. I think it's just you're just static talking for a long time. I think it's what makes it difficult not seeing each other a little bit. Like yeah. it's not the end of the world, but I think Miss that your face. makes you more likely to fidget. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was something to focus on. I think wasn't it? Yeah. Whereas you're not really focusing on anything visually. It's just listening and talking. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this shit. Welcome to Mammon Podcast. Mike and Mike on Mike. The podcast where we talk about our top fives. Our first top five podcast was about games. Our second was about movies. Our third was about TV shows. And our fourth should have been about heroes. But we switched things around a little bit and we've gone with board games this week instead. As always, keeping it professional here at Mammon. Um, Mike, how are you? How's your days been since i've last spoke to you yeah i've been off work because well i finished off a load of night shifts and i've been off and it's been quite nice just pottering around the house to be honest with you not had that in a very long time how about yourself just been going with the flow with uh the education yeah all all (laughs) changing from day to the next isn't it for you guys yeah uh it keeps it interesting i guess yeah (laughs) that's the polite way of putting it i think (laughs) um but no, yeah, it's been good. Um, as usual, not much because of uh, COVID. Yes. I wonder what number episode will be when we're no longer mentioning COVID. That would be interesting. Yeah, and we're actually able to talk about things we've done that aren't work or sat inside the house. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we went to a uh, restaurant or a pub. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah, we have to do top five restaurants when that happens. Or it'll be like top five anxieties now that we're allowed to go out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being near people, what the hell. I mean, I don't miss town. I hate town centres. And I don't miss people just being right up behind you in queues and mm. stuff like that. Mine was as well. It's pleasant. I'm a, I'm a pretty quick walker, particularly when I'm on my own. So I hate town when you've got people going slowly. Yeah, and you've got to dodge around them. Yeah, you know like cute old couples that still hold hands at like 90, but they're going one mile an hour. And it's like, you've got to yeah. awkwardly wait for the gap to get past them. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun, that. So, as I said, we've gone back on our promise. We were going to do Top 5 Heroes, but um, I felt, I don't know about you, that I just needed a bit more time. I didn't feel like the, the ones yeah, I picked Yeah, I struggled with enough. my list. It's, it seems like it should be a really easy topic, but it's actually surprisingly difficult. Mm. Because trying to get into the nuances of why they're a hero and why you cons- why you personally consider them a hero, it's quite difficult to try and justify it. So, we want a bit more time to sort of research the topic and come come to you guys with actually good answers for why we picked these people yeah i, I think as well i was ones i'm passionate about like you know luke skywalker's an obvious choice of a hero but i don't like him that much no i i genuinely would argue with you if you'd picked him <laughs> well, luckily there's like there's one we both know <laughs> off the list spoiler alert for when yeah. that show eventually comes he's just a whiny spoiled brat so this week obviously like i say we talk about top five board games i think it's gonna be quite interesting because movies games and uh tv shows we're on a similar level i'd say of knowledge experience whatever you want to call it whereas this one's quite interesting because i think we fit both sides of it you you're more of the maybe not hardcore yeah yeah (laughs) like i say what's good about you is even though you've not played a lot of the top games you've done a hell of a lot of research about them so you would know about them as well 
Um, yeah. Whereas I'm coming at it from an angle of a a board game novice who's trying to get into more hardcore games, I guess. Yeah. But this um, topic was actually suggested by a friend of the show, Charlie. So a shout out to him for suggesting it. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, right, I went first, didn't I, last time? Uh, I think. Yes. So Yes, you did. I say that confused. I've just finished editing the last one, so I definitely <laughs> know you went first. <laughs> right, so number five. Let's get into it then. What have you gone for and why? So I've gone with a game that... It wasn't the first game that got me into um, board games. or Actually, I would say it was the first game that got me into board games, but it wasn't sort of the first big game that I'd played board game-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was at university... One of my old housemates, um, he was obsessed with board games. He loved them. And that's what got me into them. And there was one point, I remember, when we went to the first uh, board game cafe that opened up called Meeple's in Oxford. Mm. And it was brand new sort of experience at that time. No one had really heard of them. And we played a game called Munchkin. Mm. And that's the game I've decided to, play, to pick. Nice. It's a simple... Have you ever played it yourself? No. So what it is, it's a card-based game. Very simply, uh, you yeah. So the tagline for the game sums it up, and it's kill the monsters, steal the treasure, stab your buddy. So it's a Dungeons and D- Dragons um, parody type game. Yeah. And you sort of start at level one, mm-hmm. and you s- go through the game collecting items and and or attacking monsters. So attacking monsters, if you beat them, you go up a level, mm-hmm. and it's first person to level ten. But you, along the way, you encounter um, well, you gain uh, weapons and armor such as the horny helmet and the boots of butt kicking and the enemies that you encounter are all odd sort of parodies such as the potted plant or the drawling slime and I know there's like the level 20 is like plutonium dragon and you sort of work on your way to beat them but you can backstab your friends or well enemies you can get uh, people to play that you're playing against to sort of team up and beat the bad guy together it's just quite a fun little it's quite an easy to learn game important question go on did you win on that first attempt oh that's a good question i probably didn't only because i always find with some board games some people explain the rules badly and then suddenly bring out random bits of information oh no you can't do that I can do this, though, and that allows me to go up to level 10 just in one go. <laughs> Did I forget to mention that when you had that card? Yeah. That reminds me of uh, yes. that episode of Friends where Chandler makes up that game to try and give Joey money, and then Ross thinks he's good at it, and he just starts bringing in new rules to win his money back. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's a nice little game. It doesn't take, well, on average, it doesn't take that long to play. It's not rated that highly these days in board, with board gamers. Uh, I think it's because... Like, I know there's hundreds upon hundreds, well, not I say hundreds upon hundreds, there's so many sort of Better versions, versions of, it. of it, yeah. Well, I mean, like, expansions and whatnot. Oh, right. So, looking here, I can see at least a hundred sort of Jesus expansions of the first one. Like, you've got stuff like you've got Pathfinder, Munchkin, Warhammer, Zombies, Star, Rick and Morty. Uh, the list genuinely goes on for ages. Uh, so, I think because of that, it's sort of uh, not past its time, but people have become exhausted by it. Yeah. But because it was one of the first ones that sort of got me properly into board gaming, it's up there on my list. Why is it called Munchkin? Or Munchkin? Uh, Munchkin, 
I remember reading this a minute ago. So uh, munchkins are in sort of role-playing terms, immature role-players. Oh. And they play only to win by having the most ca- powerful character possible. Okay. So it's sort of based on the parody of that because the idea of winning in this game is to have the most powerful character possible. Whereas sort of in role-playing, it's about sort of sometimes you've got to be a bit clever with your moves to win. It's not about necessarily being strong and powerful and just going zap and I don't know much about Dungeons Dragons, but like that goblin's dead. Yeah. Sort of think, thinking more about, oh, I can sneak up behind and that gives me that advantage. So the idea of like things being OP, like overpowered and... Yeah. But this is more... Yeah, I get you. But this this one goes on, leans on that sort of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It leans on that concept. Yeah. I like it. It's a good first yeah. choice. Yeah. Like I say, it's... The, the guy who created it, Steve Jackson, he's done a lot of um, board games since. But this, I think, was one of his most popular and famous. And the illustrations on the card, they're quite funny as well. Like, I think there's a card called, like, the Duck of Doom. And you pick it up and you go down to, like, level one again. Because who would pick up a duck in a dungeon? Yeah. I was desperately trying to think of a Jackson 5 joke then and had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why he just went silent? Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, like, it's gonna I, think, I think we should pause the podcast here <laughs> yeah. and come back in a second <laughs> first like manufactured joke <laughs> <laughs> nah I don't think we're gonna we're not that clever no um, I like it though that's right. a good one it's quite nice actually segueing because my number five pick is pretty much identical reasoning for yours so um, a board game cafe opened up in Derby called Alchemy and like you, I'd never heard of one before. It was literally this pub, had two floors, so um, we did a few things, people talking about it, and then uh, me and a couple of friends decided to go, and um, like I'd only ever played, you know, your basic family board games when you're a kid. Yeah, like, Cluedo, bef- Monopoly. Yeah, exactly, before then, like Rat, Rat Trap, is that the board game? Mousetrap. Mousetrap was my favourite board game up until that point. The, the game that took longer to set it up than play, yeah. than it did to play it. <laughs> and then the moment you went to go and release the Mousetrap, it never worked. No. Well, went up there and it showed us this wall of games. And it was so intimidating, again, as someone who's only ever yeah. played like, these family games. Uh, but luckily, they were all quite experienced, the uh, the bar staff. So he was like, look. Yeah, people in board game cafes, they tend to have that knowledge there. They're not sort yeah. of hired because they I've always said people at board game cafes, they're not good cafe staff necessarily. Like mm. you don't go in looking for the best uh, hot drink or best sandwich. You go in there because they're experienced about the games that yeah. they're going to be talking to you about. Exactly. And that's what it is. He, he said something like when the first, like I say, it wasn't long after it opened. And he said the, the owner had opened up for or paid the staff for like a month before they opened, to just come in every day for their working hours and, and play as many board games as possible with each other and learn the rules and practice. Yeah. Uh, and he said... Se- I will say... Oh. Sorry, go on. No, go on, you go. No, I'll let you finish and then I'll... I was going to say, uh, a big shout-out to the board game cafe in Nottingham, though, Luderati, because I genuinely think all the staff know what they're talking about and the food is absolutely fantastic. It's some of the best cafe food I've ever had. We'll try and get so them... A big to- shout-out for them for having both the good cafe and they, they're great on social media and they recommend that during lockdown they've been recommending like sort of print and play games to play just from the internet it, they're, they're a good cafe and they're passionate about what they do um so the game that he recommended because he said it was sort of the a good game to look at something that's a bit more complex but easy enough to understand was settlers of Catan. oh yeah um 
which was great. It's this really simple game where you essentially build. There's there's several ways to win. Uh, there's building the longest road, I think, um, or having the most resources by the end. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's been a while since I played it. It's Same. one of like it's been it's one of the top board games pretty much of all time. But uh, I only recently acquired it myself at Christmas, and we haven't yet to play it because well, it's obviously three you can't plus play. players, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very difficult to play board games in lockdown. Yes. Well, um, like I said, more, more than the game itself. Like, although it was good, it's more that it opened up to a gateway of interest. So uh, before I'd, I think I don't think we'd met before I'd played Settlers Catan. Um, and none of my friends are into board games, and so other people that went there were. So we all enjoyed it. Um, but I just I didn't really know anyone else who was into them. So it was sort of I knew that I wanted or would like to play more board games that are a bit more complex. Um, but didn't really know where to start, who to play with, etc., etc. And then when I met you, found out that you were really into board games, and I was like, oh, brilliant! So uh, some of these games were introduced to me by you, so you'll know what some of them are. Yeah, sure, <laughs> for once, sure it's a bit different. For those um, who don't know, I've probably got about a hundred board games in my house. My wife isn't too happy about that. Hope are you one of them though? It's like they'll be worth money one day, some of them. So I'll keep hold of them. I've definitely got like um, like got a risk from the seventies. That I'm quite proud of having things like that. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I I do like collecting them, thinking that I enjoy playing them. But maybe in the future, you never know. First editions of these games might be worth something. <laughs> so yeah, so Settlers Catan is like I say, it's a game that I've not played that much, but it it opened me up to the idea of of that board games could be more than just that sort of family kid friendly um, style of game, and is all the ones bar one after Settlers, so my, my top three, I wouldn't have played and found without Settlers Catan, so I think it was quite yeah. a nice way to start, a bit like yours, I guess. I always say with Settlers, it's basically the Monopoly version of sort of the big games. So Monopoly seems to be the big family game, Catan seems to be the big, sort of the big board game community games, Yeah, if that makes sense. I don't know how to describe the sort of games that aren't like Monopoly, Cluedo, because they're all I'd board called... games still. I think I'd call them family games, yeah. And I'd call the rest of them mature games, not necessarily yeah. in terms of content, but in yeah, terms this is, of this is a family game, Catan. You can easily yeah, play it. But but there's it's there's more weight to it, isn't? It? I think that's yes. a word they use weight for like how complex it is. Um, yeah. And there's definitely a lot more rules than Monopoly. Um, there's a lot more setup involved, but yeah, it's a um, more satisfying game. Well, it's I think, a, tra- because of a it. trading and sort of resource collecting game which sort of if you go boil monopoly down to the basic it is that so that's why yeah. i think i described the two together but yeah it's a similar mechanics but it yeah, just maybe Catan's a better version of that in my opinion and i think more skilled than yes you got to well. think a I think lot there's, more there's less elements of luck involved yeah no definitely no that's a really good choice and i'm quite surprised i haven't got Catan on here to be honest with you because it is one of the top four games i've played I'm about to say now, if we do have any people listening who are like board game, who are very knowledgeable about their board games, are not going to trust your opinion now. And ironically, yeah. though I know very little, might trust mine more. Because <laughs> I've <laughs> a classic. Well, my next one is a very, very obscure game that I can guarantee barely anyone's heard of. But it's. So with board games, you like to have that sort of a mix of games that might take a while 
or party type games. And this one falls under the party type game. And it's a game called Illusion. And I got it about two years ago when I went back to visit some friends in Bristol. And I popped into a, a board game comic book shop and was just after a quick game that we could play like while people were arriving and waiting for everyone to arrive to actually start the bigger games. And all it is, is there's a pack of cards. I can't think how many, but it's about 100 or so. And they've all got various different patterns on them with different colours. And what you have to do is the first player lays down three of these cards and has to determine, so say, uh, sorry, so they put down three of these cards and they pick another card that tells them a, a colour and they have to determine the order of most to less. So say it was red, which card has the most red in it and which card has the least red in it. And it sounds really like, what the hell is that? But I don't think any of us has had as much fun and got is so invested in a game as that and sort of the next person then comes along and they can't move the previous three cards and they have to put a fourth one down and so on and so forth until someone challenges it uh, so you sort of got to be confident with the previous person's attempt to do your attempt unless you challenge her and then you might lose or win and it's like I say it sounds really dull when you're saying it but I honestly would recommend it to anyone as a nice quick quick five ten minute game that doesn't really cost that much either. Uh, a question I didn't ask on for number five, oh, um, but I want to ask for number four as well. For, for uh, both those games you picked so far, mm-hmm. what's the minimum player count? Uh, so know? Munchkin, I think, is three to six as yeah. the players. And Illusion, I suppose it's two to infinite, really. There's any number of people that can play it. I'm pretty sure when... Uh, because we were playing it and people were arriving at my friend's house and there was probably about 10 of us in total that ended up playing it so it's one of those ones and people just came in and joined in the game and it's just a nice simple quick game to pick up and learn as well nice yeah like i say it's not one that has much to say about it but i would recommend people searching it out because it doesn't cost much on amazon and it's also not rated that badly We'll have to play that then next time uh, yeah. we're allowed to meet up. Yeah, so you right. Go. So you're number four. Um, I think you'll hate me for this pick. Go on. So my number four is a game I fucking hate. Um, but I couldn't not pick it when talking about top five board games because I think the fact I hate it deserves to be here. I think part of the... the I think what makes this game so popular and successful is those intangibles you, you can't predict when you're making a board game, and that's how angry it makes people, and that's Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. I After mean, literally discussing the previous round how Katarn's a better Monopoly. Yeah, and then I've then placed Monopoly above it. But yeah, I mean, what other board game have you played where you've seen a family member pick up the board and throw it everywhere and go, I'm not playing anymore? So it's quite funny with Monopoly. I didn't. I didn't actually played it until about university, because what is wrong with your parents? I know this is the next time that your parents haven't let you do something. This is down to my parents as well. So they brought it for me for um, a Christmas or a birthday, but then refused to play it with me because they hated it because it was so (laughs) argumentative and it went on for so long. So I was like, "Thanks for buying me a present that you're never gonna play with me." (laughs) 
<laughs> so I didn't play until university, but now I own four copies of Monopoly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that's another point I've got on there. They've made so many different versions, which you know it's money making, obviously, but it's clever. You know, yeah. you've got you sort of you 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 can get there's a Derby version, London version. There's the uh, Game of Thrones version, Star Wars version. As well as that, um, like, I've got a card game version. I've got Empire, in which it's sort of a. Uh, it, that one's a nice quick one, Monopoly Empire. It takes probably about 15, 20 minutes and you're just collecting franchises like Monopoly and things like that. And it's the first one just to build up the most franchises. So it's a nice quick one then. But then you've got cities in which you build up this massive city as opposed to just this one little hotel chain. So yeah, exactly. So spin-off-wise, it's got tons. Um, and, and it's relatable. You know, Everyone's played it. Every, you know, It's something you can talk... You know, like if you were in a, on an awkward date or... You know, you, you've met, you're talking to someone, a random stranger at work, you don't really know much about. Monopoly is something you could bring them in conversation and you would be able to have a conversation about it. And probably one where you'd both have a funny story to talk about of some sort. Yeah, do, you remember, do you remember that time that my dad flipped at the table over <laughs> because of Monopoly? Well, I'd hope a stranger didn't know about your childhood memory with your dad. <laughs> yeah, actually, me saying to a stranger, do you remember my family doing this? That's a good test, they say, how creepy Because they're like, <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, wait. <laughs> um, Monopoly man looks cool as fuck with his tash. Uh, <laughs> what what I also love as well is you know when you play Monopoly with other people outside your family, yeah, you realise everyone's got slightly different rules that they've just yes. made up and fully, and you just have to commit to whoever's family you're around or group of friends. You've got to commit to their rules. Yeah, that like, they just make example, up stuff. some some people put uh, anything that's paid by tax underneath the. Uh, is it the just visiting uh, side of um, Monopoly or is it the one opposite? By the way, it's one of those two. And if you land on there, you get all the money that people have paid for tax. The yeah. tax is technically meant to be going to the bank. And that leads me on to my next point. It's a great like uh, advert of capitalism as well and like almost Wall Street. Because whoever you talk to, you know, and they talk about their experience playing Monopoly with their family. There's always one family member who's the dodgy banker. Oh yeah. Who like steals money or or tries to shortchange you when you get I used to have, I used to have a housemate that genuinely cheated because she again, dodgy rules, she thought that was part of the game. Like cheating and not getting caught is part yeah. of the game, yeah. Yeah. But hey, in the world of capitalism, that or you know, uh property management, probably true. Yeah. On the subject uh, of sort of like uh capitalism and all that, did you know they're planning on making a movie based on Monopoly? I mean, they made a Pac-Man movie, so why the fuck not Monopoly, I guess? It's <laughs> um, rumoured to be starring Kevin Hart, and it's about a boy uh, from Baltic Avenue on a quest to make a fortune. Do you know what? There's an actor who just makes decent movies, like, constantly, Kevin Hart. I wouldn't say decent. I'd say bang average movies, personally. Yeah, but I, that's what I mean by decent. I think there's something Consist- impressive about that. Consistent. Yeah. You know what you get him with a Kevin Hart film, don't you? Yeah. Um... So yeah, so like I say, I actually don't like Monopoly. I've not played it in a while because, like, there's such an element of luck, and I think that's what makes it so frustrating that you can have up this perfect plan, you can have hotels and all of them, and just no one seems to land on them. <laughs> like, and you're like, what? What have I been doing this whole game? Yeah. Um, but like I say, I think the fact that it's so relatable that everyone can talk to it that there's this, there's. I think that makes it a top five board game. It doesn't necessarily have to be the best because like I say with all of these board games I've picked bar 
one or maybe two, this is the one that I've got the most memories attached to. That's fair enough. Um, on a recommendation on Monopoly, though, mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend anyone listening to this not to buy the actual version of Monopoly, but buy Monopoly Cheaters Edition. Because that's actually a genuinely fun, fast-paced show. So you get given a bunch of cards to sort of cheat and obviously steal from the banks, one of them, but one of them might be steal from someone else's uh, properties, like literally try and sneak it out of their hand and put it in front of you and stuff like that. And it's actually quite fast-paced, competitive and angry as well. And my wife was surprisingly good at this because me and my dad just spent the whole game arguing. Like, out of Hold on, hold on. Sorry to interrupt there. Go on. Your wife. Mm-hmm. Is very good at cheating on the cheat yeah, surprisingly. Game. Does that not worry you at all? A little bit? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, the reason was because she was a bit quiet and doing things subtly, whereas me and my dad were making big songs and dances about it. So you you got penalised for cheating. So one of the things my dad would do is like for the cards where uh, you had to steal someone else's property, he'd sneak my um, his property into my hand and then accuse me of cheating, and sort of get a bonus from that. <laughs> and it was quite a sneaky little tactic, but it's just it was actually quite a fun game, and I would actually recommend that version of Monopoly. Nice one. Um, your number four, then. Well, or three. I've already done my number four, so yeah, you're my number three. three. This might be the only one that you might have picked because I'm pretty sure we played it together, and that's Code Names. No. Brilliant. We're not going to have any crossovers this week, folks. <laughs> right. Uh, so. Codenames is probably the hardest game. It's one of the easiest games to play ever, but it's probably the hardest game ever to explain how to play. So I'm just going to read its description because I'm hoping this might explain it better to everyone. So it's described as an easy party game to solve puzzles. The game is divided into red and blue. Each side has a team leader, and the team's leader's goal is to lead their team to the final victory. At the beginning of the game, there will be 25 cards on the table with different words. Each card has a corresponding position representing different colours. Only the team leader can see the colour of the card. The team leader should prompt according to the words, let his team members find out the cards of their corresponding colours and find out all the cards of their own colours to win. Even reading that description, it sounds confusing. Yeah, and I've played it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) But do you agree, it's such a difficult game to describe how to play it. And at the moment you start playing it, it's so simple. There's no... well. It's difficult in the game itself, but it, the rules are so simple. So in essence, you've got a load of cards, and they might have different words on it, like mammoth, lamp, pen, closet, uh, Athens, and stuff like that. Like, Wait, unreal. can I ask, by the way, had you made a list of random words for this, or was mammoth the first random word that came into your mammoth head? Mammoth was genuinely, and then I looked across to my lamp, and then I looked across to my wardrobe. <laughs> So is there a mammoth in but there mammoth as well? was the first word that I thought of for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you got those random words, completely unrelated. And the idea is you want to get your teammates to pick your coloured words in the fewest guesses as possible. So I'd say to Mike to potentially link those words, I might say bedroom because... Two of those and my first are... guess would be mammoth, obviously. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, but wardrobe and lamp you'd find in a bedroom. Yeah. So the idea is to sort of give clues that try and link as many of the words as possible. And that's the essence of the game. And that's it. It's really simple, but also it is one of the top party games of all time. 
I play with you, and I think the word I'd use well is addictive because yeah, it, it's like it's like it makes you think, doesn't it? Like you say, I'm trying to think of a word that would make you, and as well, I think the like the complexity of it is simple, but there's so many different um, game mechanics in. So, for instance, if I say bedroom and don't get it. They can sort the opposite team can guess our choices and sort of know words that we're we're going for almost. Yeah, and sort of avoid using those ones. Yeah, exactly. So like, okay, I know it's to do. It clearly was. It was clearly mammoth when he said bedroom, and Michael didn't get it. So I know now that mammoth isn't one of ours that I'm trying to guess. Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, it's, it's super. Yeah, it is it is a nice one that. Uh, coincidentally, I'm just on Board Game Geek, which. I don't know if uh, any of our listeners have heard of, but it's a big sort of website that has all the board games. And if you're looking for a particular type of board game, it's a good website to look at. Uh, it's created by this guy called Vlada Chivati. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah that classic wasn't guy. he a fullback for Chelsea at one point as well? <laughs> <laughs> Such a prick. Um, I'm actually about to be wrong on my theory, actually. I thought he created this other game, but he didn't. But Codenames has been the number one party board game of all time for so long. And it's like been on it's on their box, it says number one party board game on board game geeks. And I've just looked and it's been dethroned by a game called Decrypto, which me and you have played, Mike. Do you remember it? Is it the one we played in Matlock in that pub? No, that's uh Linky. So Decrypto oh, yeah. is very, very similar to Codenames, except you sort of have to break a code as opposed to code code names where you've got to sort of work out the words to crypto you don't necessarily know what the words are going to be and you have to break a code and your other team has a chance to intercept it but it's just interesting it was on there uh, for so that long we played it like christmas a couple of years yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it was good that it was quite a fun game so there's another recommendation probably shouldn't be mentioning other games on our list but i'd, I'd rank it about seventh or eighth on my list so okay right. nice one you ready for my number three your number three bring it on my number three is a game that we played together, uh, and it's called Codenames. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, um, I don't think you've ever played this game. So, because of one of the games that's coming up further in the list that we've played together, uh, me and Sean and my uh, fiance, there we go, corrected this time. Yeah. And she does How listen to these. How annoyed was she the first time? Oh, yeah, she's raging. <laughs> like, literally, I came downstairs and she was like, you're a piece of shit. And I was like, what? I know, but what have I done this time? Um, <laughs> she texted me thanking me for correcting you. <laughs> so yeah, we um, we really enjoyed one of the games. So uh, I really wanted a two-player game because I think that is part of the problem. If you you just live with like one friend or your partner, uh, is obviously it's hard to have board games because a lot of them are three or four plus. Yeah, code um, names, for example, t- like it says two to eight players on the rules, but actually I would never go really. below four. No. And um, so I've, I was searching for a lot of two-player games that we could play. Um, and this one is a spin-off to a board game. So the, the original board game, I think it's just called Seven Wonders. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one's called Seven Wonders Jewel. I got um, it for Christmas this year. Oh, amazing. Have you played I've it not yet? Played, not played it yet, no. It's really good. And it's it's like a 30-minute 30 30 game, I'd say. So you, you can have a quick go and then play again, or that's it. Um Nice to play in the evening. We we like to take it away when we go away for the weekend or whatever. Um, and essentially, it's a sort of deck builder. So essentially, uh, there's more than seven wonders in the game uh, to pick from, but you're only allowed to have seven in that game session. 
So I think there might be ten wonders to pick from, but you have to pick seven of those ten to be in there's play. There's only seven wonders of the world. Well, there's not. There's loads more. So there's the seven ancient ones of the world, which most people think. Oh of, yeah, there's, there's like the seven natural variations. Wonders. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so you each have, I think, in the game, I think you have four each uh, to your seven wonders but you need to build them and you can only have a maximum of seven so eventually by the end of the game one of you will have four wonders the other person will have three and the, when you build a wonder it will give you um, certain bonuses so like one of them will give you an extra go so you skip your the partner's going and you go again or it'll, some of them give you coins and things like that um, and then essentially you go through three ages so it's like your, your city you build essentially a city that's your deck um, yeah. And you go through three different ages, so the technology gets better. Um, and you've got lots of different ways to win. And there's lots of genuinely different strategies. So I've played it, I think we've played five times, we've kept a running score, I think Sean is winning now, 3-2. And I've, I've tried to win once through military, which worked. I tried to win once through uh, having the, the most technology, Um which you get from buildings, sort of science buildings versus military buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've tried another one that was just pure finance, just building things that brought me in as much money as possible. Um, and yeah, it's 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 really simple. Once you've played one go of it, that's it. You, you, you know you know it forever. It's not too difficult. And there's a really good video. If you just type in Seven Wonders Jewel, how to play on YouTube, it talks through it about five minutes. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think my problem with board games sometimes, some of them are so cool and it's like, five to eight players and it's like jesus the older i get i don't think i even got five friends anymore <laughs> never mind <laughs> i think that's um, lauren's biggest annoyance about all the <laughs> games because i've got so many that i just haven't played because especially at the moment but trying to but it, get everyone together to play these games like oh that's, that's actually it, really difficult and that's the problem is it's not just five players it's five players who are a into board games and B, are willing to take for some of them up to an hour maybe to learn. And that can be so off-putting um, where it can be so difficult to learn it. Um, whereas everything I've picked so far, Settlers, Catan, Monopoly, Seven Wonders, Jewel, are all really, really simple pick-up-and-play. Um, okay. Which, for me, again, as someone who's not like a hardcore board gamer yet, um, I, I really appreciate... That. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, when we find more people to to play it with us then um, yeah I'll get there but yeah so a really nice one to have with it because it's two player and it's easy to play I think it actually ranks above in terms of uh, overall ranking by uh, people who have played it and rated it on Board Game Geek it, geek, it ranks higher than yeah. the original Seven Wonders for those who still are not sure about one of the top games of all time for those who are not sure about board game, what are about? Essentially, it's just a website about board games, but they've got a ranking list, a bit like the IMDb Top 250. Um, so it's just ranked by uh, users, and yeah, so all of these are ranked in some way. And yeah, I think Seven Wonders Jewel's my highest. Yeah, you can pick different categories as well on there. So you can, so like, be it strategy or family or card game, and it tells you what the best one to be if you're whatever you're into. It's quite a good website. The last thing I'll say about this game as well, I think the number one game on Board Game Geek, I've never played it, and the reason why is it sounds awesome, but it's about £150 for the board game, whereas this one on Amazon's about £25, £30, which I know is not cheap, cheap, but it's cheap in terms of a board game, I think, compared to what you can pay for some of the more complex Yeah, definitely. 
Well, I know Catan's like almost fifty pounds. Yeah. So. Okay, your right. number two. Yes. So my number two is actually because I know this one for a fact. The number two rated game on Board Game Geek. Not quite the number one because I don't think I've got the money to play this. But this is a game, and it's a legacy type game, which I'm ninety nine percent sure is going to be talked about even more at some point. Uh, and it's called Pandemic Legacy. So do you just want to briefly explain, because I, I have to get you to explain this to me, because um, I had no idea. Can you explain what Pandemic is first, generally, the sort of the original You game? definitely know what a Pandemic is now, surely. <laughs> Jesus, that got dark <laughs> quick. <laughs> um, can you explain what the Pandemic board game is, the sort of original one, and then explain what you mean by the Legacy Edition? Yeah, because they're two separate games, yeah. Oh, 100%. So Pandemic is a game in which a virus or a set of four viruses, should I say, are taking over the world. And it's up to you and your teammates to try and stop the virus in its tracks by finding a cure and then eradicating the whole virus as a whole. Uh, so you, each player has uh, different sort of roles that they can do. So some of them might be a dispatcher who can move people to certain places across the board, which would normally take up a whole move to do with that other person doing it. So the whole idea is a bit, it's a big teamwork and a big sort of team game, co-op, co-op that's the word I was looking for, it's a big co-op game. Uh, that's just a lot of fun to play, but I do find, I do quite find annoying because I do tend to find that the virus always wins, which seems a bit ominous, maybe. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> keep it light. <laughs> Someone's um, had a shit day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it always seems. I always get annoyed. I remember one of the last times I played it in that uh, game session I said I brought Illusion for. Uh, we played it and we were genuinely one move away from winning and the virus beat us. And that was so defeating because we could see in our next move that we were going to win. But we physically ran out of time to win. And it was just really annoying. But... This version spins it on its head. So the legacy, there's two pandemic legacies, season one and season two. I don't know what season two is about. And I'm not going to spoil too much for those who play want to play a legacy game because the whole idea is you don't know what's coming up next. But a legacy game, in essence, it's your own board game that you're creating. So things will happen. So in pandemic, uh, as the virus grows, it might sort of mutate across um, the game and various cities might be sort of broken down in sort of like due to rioting and that city's now rioting so you stick stickers on that city so it's permanently changed so your board game so if you played it with your group of friends and i bought a different you know a new copy and played it with my group of friends our boards would look different by the end yeah and it's basically they're played over so pandemic legacy it takes over it spans over a whole year and you play each month but if you lose one month you replay that that month again so it can be anywhere between 12 to 24 game sessions depending on how good or bad you are uh, and each sort of time that you win something might happen good but changes the board game next time and if you lose something might happen that changes the board game the next time so i think the overall stories tend to be the same each gameplay but there's slight differences that change everything completely and it's just a really fun way of mixing the board game on its head that you have got this unique story that you're telling. Nice. But, so me and uh, two friends from work and one of their girlfriends are playing this. And we started playing about a year and a half ago. 
But unfortunately, a real pandemic came in and we've been <laughs> unable to continue playing it. So I think we're stuck in July. We had a brief intermission like where we were able to sort of meet up again where lockdown was sort of stopped for a bit, in which we played, I think, about two months. But I keep on saying we really need to finish and then shout Jumanji at the end so everything goes back to normal and we'll rewind <laughs> back to 2000, uh, early 2020, uh, 2019 before the virus existed and we, we'll, we won't play the game or speak of it ever again. It gets buried <laughs> underground and that's it. <laughs> so just so we're aware, it's not China or Wuhan's fault, it's yours. Yeah. Good. I'd always suspected. Right. So here's... I'm going to say now, spoiler for anyone to play the game who plays the game. I'll talk for about 20 seconds. You can come back if you're planning. Wait, what about people? You're not spoiling people who may want to play it after this. Well, yeah, spoiler for anyone who wants to play the game. Okay, this is a bold choice. Let's see if it pays. It is off. a bold choice. It's not a massive spoiler, but we aren't doing very well in the game, and we got given an extra card because we lost a certain amount of games. And it basically said that New Zealand are doing amazing and they basically eradicated the disease. <laughs> and I thought that that was so bizarre, and I was like, "This is real life. This, gen- this <laughs> genuinely why we need to finish off the game." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I like that though as well. Like, no, because if you fail a game, like you know, if you fail at a game of Monopoly or a game of the original um, pandemic, like say, you just restart from scratch, and it's just the same yeah. game, but you know, different. nothing's changed. Then. Yeah. Whereas that is obviously things, you know, if you keep losing, bad things happen to the next player as well. So it's nice, though, as well, well it almost if you spent all that money on the game, that they've gone, right, you're doing shit, we're going to help you out a little bit. So it's not completely weighted against you and then you don't want to play it anymore almost. Because you're like, well, yeah, we know because no, the board's too hard now. Or the map. I think we've won, won and lost the same amount of games, but it's still it's a very difficult game still. And because with co-op games, I do find they're always weighted slightly more towards, uh, well, the board game winning. Because mm. it'd be less fun if you won every single game. It's got to be weighted slightly more harder for the board game to win more often. I think as well, it's difficult. The more rules that you put into a board game and the more complex you make it, obviously, in theory, the more interesting it makes it. But it also reminds me of like um, online games like, I don't know, World of Warcraft or like MOBAs, like Dota or League Virgins getting that balance is so hard and in the early days of games you find that something's a bit overpowered and something's too weak so they you know across the months and years they sort of try and get it so it's perfectly balanced so whoever or whatever you pick you've got yeah you know if you know how to use that character or whatever you can do well whereas i think that's sometimes a problem because i've played i've never played pandemic the physical board game but i have played the xbox games pass version oh yeah and so I played quite a few games with me and a friend, and because you can pick a, a, a your character can be a specialist, can't they? Yeah, so like I said, and they always get power. Of my head is yeah. And I found that some were like so good. You're like, well, someone has to be that character because their power oh, yeah, is so good. You you're stupid not to. And yeah. then some we picked, and I was like, this is just nowhere near as good as this person's. So although there were choices. You know, if you've after you play a few times, you're like, mm, "There's not really." There's four you yeah. need to pick almost to to give yourself a good chance of winning. Well, in Legacy, it's sort of there's bits that come along that encourage you to change the characters. But like like you say, we've sort of picked these characters, being like, "They're they're what we consider to be the best and work together mm. the best." Yeah, and we're too scared to change the characters. But actually, as I'm sure, like I said, the game changes everything. There might be situations where your character might die. That's not a spoiler. 
It's not happened to us yet, but it's made very clear from the beginning that can happen. But that's quite so, cool, then you can pick a yeah. new one. So you can pick a new one, but it's not happened to us yet, but I think there's sort of benefits of it happening. Yeah. But it's because also it changes... negatives of it happening. Well, because I guess you can get almost caught up in one play style if you're using the same thing. Well, exactly, whereas... and it's like, we are losing quite often. It's like, should we mix it up slightly? Mm. I don't know. Well, hopefully one of you dies, and then we can find out. Yeah, I'll let in you know game. in two years when we're able to meet up <laughs> yeah. again. Right, my number two then? Yeah, let's go for your number two. My number two might surprise you, because I think... You know, you probably know what my two and one are going to be now, particularly after what's already got. Yeah. But you may be surprised by my number two pick. I'm not sure. In your head, do you know it? Have you got my two, my number two pick, and my number one in your head? The, the way around. Yeah, but I'm not going to say them because it no, might but spoil I want you to tell me if you if you get it right. Okay. So my number two, my number two is Betrayal Legacy. Betrayal Legacy. So. Oh, fuck me, this is going to be hard to explain. So, for those who don't <laughs> Well, know, we've explained legacy yeah. games. At so, the, the very same thing. Now. So, you can, if you went to Amazon and typed in Betrayal Board Game, there's two options, two different games. One's Betrayal, the sort of core game. Well, five, the two, actually. The two that I'm going to talk about. So, one is Betrayal. <laughs> I do apologize the... <laughs> for being pedantic. Uh, Betrayal, the core game, uh, which is, you know, like Monopoly or, or Pandemic or whatever. And the yeah. one that we play, uh, so it was me, you, your wife, and my fiance played Betrayal Legacy, which, like Pandemic, meant that you had to rip cards up and things that happened in previous games uh, got called up. So essentially, you play the game, I think it was about 13 times. There were sort of 13 yeah. chapters. There's 13 chapters and a prologue. Yeah. And the prologue, by the way, as a game that is quite complex, um, there's a prologue, which is almost like a starter. So it gives you yeah. a tiny taste. So you learn the basic core mechanics. And then each session or chapter adds in more complex elements. But it doesn't feel difficult because you build with it your thing. So like I say, Mike had pay, played the original. And myself, yeah, my Lauren and Sean games. hadn't. And we still, you know, kept up fine. It probably did help having someone who played it, but I think we would have been fine without it anyway. Um, and essentially, it's a mixture between a story, a role-playing mm-hmm. uh, sort of RPG, and a, and a board game, which is really cool. So in Patrol Legacy, there are these tiles, these squares, um, and you get to each person gets to put one per turn, and it creates the board for you. So rather than being Monopoly, where the whole board's already out. Uh, there's just a tiny amount essentially this board you create is a house so you've got the outside of the house the bottom floor the basement and upstairs and um, it's always unique no matter how many times you play it it's always going to be unique because you don't know what's going to appear in different places and your character you pick can move so many squares and you can upgrade them by getting items so the item might make you a bit stronger a bit smarter uh, a bit quicker or a bit more intelligent I've already said intelligent. What's the other one? Uh, it improves your sanity because it's a horror yes, game, essentially. Sanity. So it's like playing 13 horror films. And like I say, what's really cool is everything happens is a story. So you play the prologue and you are a family member, essentially. And your character can die. And if they do die, you have to play an ancestor of theirs. And what mm-hmm. can happen is you can get items and make them an ancestral item where you put your family's crest as a sticker on it. And that means in a future game, so on game, if I did that on game two, and then on game three with or four or five with one of my ancestors, if I pick that item up again, because it's my ancestral item, it's got an added benefit. Um, 
and throughout it essentially this house is cursed and we keep coming back to it and we go ahead in time and we may go all the way up into 2005 i think yeah i think uh, so it starts th- in like the 18 or 1700s yeah um and like i say so you're learning about the history of the house and this evil force it's just sort of in the background at first but then as the story goes on we learn more about the history behind this evil force and your history of game sessions affects it so essentially you can win or lose so you're playing the game like normal and eventually what will happen is someone will be made the betrayer Uh, this is the key concept to the game yeah and essentially then everyone who's not the betrayer has got their mission which is to stop the betrayer whichever that might be uh and the betrayer's got a mission to uh it, it might be to kill everyone or it might be to get to a certain part of the board it might be to create a summoning ritual whatever it may be and There's if you lose yeah, all sorts of things they can do exactly and if you lose or win so on game one if you lose then you will be asked to play a certain game on game two whereas if you win you'll be asked to play a slightly different part of the story so every time you win or lose affects a story. So our gameplay and our story that we learned and played would be different to yours. I um, think there's 50 different story or different games to play in yeah. total, but you only play 13 of them. So that shows the variety yeah. that can be played throughout the game. We played with four members, and I'd really, really recommend that. You can play up to five, and I think that would have been fine. Uh, but I think I wouldn't less, recommend less. Yeah, I would not recommend less than four. Four no. felt like a really good number. Um, and yeah, there's so many twists and turns. And like I say, if you like horror stories and you know, particularly horror films, um, and you love RPGs, it's the game for you. It's I, I can't recommend it enough. Like I say, it's it's like you're playing a film almost. Yeah. Um, and it almost doesn't feel like a board game. It is because it has all the mechanics of a board game. But it, it feels like say more like you're playing it. And, and what's good is there's a tiny bit of role playing, not enough that it's cringeworthy where it put you off playing it if you're not into that. Uh, but because you keep playing your character's legacy and you're you're talking about, oh, do you remember this is like this is like the person who was in last time, or this is this the ghost of this person? Mm. Um, it... Well, no, there, there's an example, and I don't think it's a massive spoiler for the for one of them. But if I did a maniacal laugh um, before each turn then I got to move one step further each time and stuff like that. So you are kind of meant to be role-playing as the character that you're portraying. Yeah. No, it's a great game. And the Betrayal, just normal edition, I'd recommend for anyone. So like Mike said, it's all just based on horror games. There's there's 50 sort of games that you could potentially play in normal Betrayal, depending on what items come up when the Betrayal is revealed. And it's just a really good, enjoyable, fun evening whenever you play it. You, some games can go on sorry you've played a lot more board games than me yeah and you didn't am i right in saying that you didn't pick this for your top five because you knew i would and have played a lot less games than you that's absolutely correct yeah would this have been your number one if you could have picked it without me it yeah. would have easily been my one one or two but comfortably one or two comfortably yeah. one or two awesome um right. i think we're into honorable mentions aren't we we are yes so you're going first at the minute, aren't you? So your honourable mention or mentions? The first sort of uh, weighted board game, if that's the word we're going to go for, mm-hmm. or adult mature board game mm-hmm. that I ever played was a game called Zombies with three exclamation marks. Okay. So That bothers me. Say again? That bothers <laughs> me. You can't shout three times, you know. <laughs> Zombies! 
<laughs> that felt more like uh, poo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, what you do there's sort of different variations that you can play amongst the game. So you can play as the zombies and stuff like that. Uh, but the core concept is you play as one character, and you play like me and Lauren played it together. It can played be played with sort of two to five players, um, and yeah, so you play as a survivor trying to escape the zombie apocalypse. And much like Betrayal, you're sort of go, moving your character along and revealing a tile. And you're trying to get to the helipad first. And it's the first person to the helipad that wins. But then your opponent sort of allows to move zombies a certain amount of times to block you as you're going along. And it's just an enjoyable, fun... You can sort of roleplay it if you want to. And there's sort of various different variations of the game. But it's a quick, easy game to play. Have you got and it? The game, yeah, I've got it. And it surprised me that Lauren enjoyed it as well. I'm about to say I want to play this one. Yeah. it's. I'd say it's quite badly made. This, this is probably something that gives it negative points. Because unlike most board games where it's like card tiles, the tiles are almost paper thin. And they're quite flimsy. And me and Lauren made the stupid idea of playing it outside. And it might have been a bit windy and we kept on losing pieces continuously. <laughs> but it's still an enjoyable game. But it was one of the first games I played probably in my second year of uni. Nice one. Good honourable mention. Any more? Or is that it? Uh, well, shout out to stuff like Cluedo and Game of Life. Just because they're games that get anyone into board games, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I've got... <laughs> just, just me saying shout out to Cluedo and Game of Life. Like it's a real person. Yeah. Like Cluedo's there going, oh, cheers, Mike. <laughs> they, go, yes, they mentioned me. <laughs> um, my honourable mention, again, I'm keeping the theme of just doing one or just talking about one in detail of honourable mention. Uh, but if, we, if we're shouting out old games, um, Payday, what a game. Big up to Payday. What a game. Um, I, I always used, you always used to get like a... a um, Big payday for it being your birthday, didn't you? What? You used to get money for it being your birthday on payday when it came around to that point in the game. Oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. I thought you were making a joke, and then I was like, no, oh, no, no that is no. actually a thing. I used to um, love payday. It's probably one of the games I played the most as a kid. Yeah, I think it's like nowhere near as popular or talked about as like your Monopoly, your Cluedos, but, or Game of Life, but I think it was better than them. But this isn't your honourable mention. This is a shout out. Yeah, um, my honourable mention is. I, I think this counts. I'm sure it does. Chess. Yeah, it counts. Um, there's it's a, a really shit g- choice, but it counts. There's a really good you uncultured swine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched the Queen's Gambit yet. Well, I'm about to say the Queen's Gambit. I think I think chess has had a big rise in popularity recently with because of that, uh, and more people are playing it, which is cool. Um, chess was one of those games. That I thought I was sick at because I could beat like my four friends that I played at between the ages of like ten and fourteen, um, and then when I realised I played anyone with like, and I'm not talking about anyone who was like competition level. I just mean someone who was above competent. I realised yeah. ah, I am dreadful at chess. I'm just good against people who are shit at chess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, ju- I just think. For something so simple, like do you have me, we're talking about games like Betrayal, uh, Legacy, Pandemic Legacy, um, that are quite complicated. Something that that's so simple is, but so complex. Do you have to mean books, thousands of books been written on them, 
Um, and one of my favourite sort of lines, I remember someone telling me about it, one of my mate's dad's was, I think he taught me to play how to play it, and he, he said this phrase, it's probably super cliche about chess, but it's like uh, five minutes to learn, years to master or something like that. Yeah. And it's so true, isn't it? You have to be, you, you, oh, it's yeah, not absolutely. that hard to, to get, but it's so hard to become even just competent, never mind good. Yeah. So I've got an anecdote about chess. Okay. Is that how you lead into anecdotes? You say that you've got an anecdote. I think normally, I don't know. I think it'd be, it'd be a, it's the same reason people don't go, so I've got a joke about this. <laughs> anyway, so I've got an anecdote about chess. Um, I did used to play chess at uh, Scouts. I remember competing in a few tournaments there when I was quite a bit younger. Hello. Then... Hello, little story I didn't know about you. <laughs> Remind me to take the piss out of you. One Scouts, two chess competitions. Let's go. I've ne- oh, I never won. I was never great. And the this next story goes to show it. Uh, so, as a teacher, I wonder what your opinion on this is. Mm-hmm. But I once uh, got a lunchtime detention from my French teacher for... I'm pretty sure I told one of my friends to shut the fuck up. Or I asked How him, what the fuck was he doing? I was about 14, 15. Little rebel. I know, right? It's probably my only detention, though. Uh... So I got a lunchtime detention, and I arrived to the lunchtime detention, and the French teacher thought actually the lunchtime detention wasn't enough for what I did. So he said to me, genuinely true, it, um, play chess against, because it was a chess club that I ended up having to go to, well, it was during the lunchtime, uh, the chess club was during the lunchtime detention. So And, and the same person it. was running it, yeah. Yeah, so I, used, I had to go to that. And he said, play against this person. And uh, if you lose, you've got an after-school detention. If you win, you can go. Mm-hmm. And I lost and got an after-school detention. Yeah, harsh. Yeah, I felt, really felt so. Harsh. Like, just give me the after-school detention if you feel that's what's needed. Yeah, it sounds like a dick. Oh, he was. It's a bit power-trippy. It was my least favourite teacher. Anyway, that's my little anecdote and story about chess. And how you got an after-school detention. Yeah. That your parents were so Oddly, disappointed. Prob- probably, I-, I had two after-school detentions. I was a goody two-shoes, me. And my other one was probably about two weeks prior in PE for telling this exact same friend or asking this exact same friend what the fuck he was doing. So, you- so both were swearing? Both were saying pretty much the exact same thing to the same person. That's so weird because I wouldn't... I, you know, you're not like a massive swearer. No, exactly. I think there was just... I was obviously going for a random stage in my life, Rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it was? I reckon you were acting out because your parents didn't let you play Monopoly. <laughs> you were like, fuck they, <laughs> fuck these guys. <laughs> uh, did your mum and dad listen to this, by the way? Um, my dad said he might listen to others that weren't so, so nerdy, so no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's all right. Then he won't know that you were acting out because of his poor parenting not letting you play Monopoly. Exactly. On to the big one then, number one. Number one. Right. I was about, I was literally looking, it's like, what is my number one? And I was staring right at it. My number one is a game that I only recently discovered during lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I've not actually played the physical version of yet. I've only played it on a tabletop simulator on Steam. Oh my god, I really hope, and also don't hope it's a game I'm thinking you're going to pick. Oh, you, you do hope it's this, because it deserves far more credit than it's due. It's such a dull game when you describe it. Now that I think of it. The description on uh, Board Game Geek is attract a beautiful and diverse collection of birds to your wildlife <laughs> reserve. 
Yeah, and like I say, not birds as in like, you know, southern, let's get some birds round. No, actual like avians. Is yeah. that the word? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a game called Wingspan and it's absolutely phenomenal. I don't know what it is about it because like I say, the description is just awful. It's done by the same people, and I don't know if anyone's heard of this game, but you might might have done Mike. It's done by the same people who done Scythe. Yes, I love. Uh, well, I've never played that, but I love the sound of it. It's one of the top board games of all time. So, and... so is it? Do you collect them? So yeah, you collect birds? them. So, uh, it's so what you all you do is so you're collecting stuff like you want to attract the birds, so you need stuff like um, grain or well, you there's different items that you can collect, which are the different f- foods. So you're collecting different foods that allow you to buy the bird on the um screen and then that allows you to then put it down in front of you uh and that's all it is and then it's like there's sort of big things to sort of collect so it's the most people with a certain bird from a certain continent or various things like that and you get more points uh, victory points for collecting them and Mm -hmm. again it sounds so dull but when you when you're actually playing it it's really interesting it's quite fascinating because all the birds have got facts and figures about them it tells you what their wingspan is hence the name of the game and it it's just an oddly fun game, and I never sounds ever... Quite, do you know what? It sounds quite peaceful in yeah, comparison to I think that's what it is. It's more... just a nice, charming game. There's, it's, you've obviously... It's very stra- um, strategical. Yeah, strategical is the word I'm looking for. Uh, I didn't think that word existed the moment I said it. Uh, but it's charming in the way it does it. It's not aggressive. You're not fighting over anything. And like I remember when me and my friends were playing it, like when new birds were coming out, was all hovering over him, learning the facts about him, and being like, oh, so that's that bird, and it's from there, and it's just an interesting game. Did you pick the word hovering on purpose there? <laughs> no, but <laughs> I, I'm glad I did. Well, other than collecting them, sort of like Pokemon, can you... I'm, I'm assuming you can't battle them, but like... No, you don't battle you know, them in the slightest. You know, like, you know you're... top trumps, though, you, you know what I mean? You, you, they, you can sort of battle them with, like, I don't know, so, wingspan or something. Is there anything like that, or is it literally just collect as many as you can? It's collect as many as you can from certain different points, and it's like, uh, you can... They can lay eggs, and you collect them. So each turn, sort of, you can only do a certain number of actions. So that could be collect food, buy a bird, um, place down a bird, uh, lay eggs, and various things like that. Uh, but there are some birds that allow you to do certain things such as like eagles or hawks for example might kill smaller birds so if you flip over a card and it's a small enough bird it'll attack it and you sort of get a point for that here we go okay when we play this that's a very minuscule part of the plot i think i probably in the numerous times i played it i've done that about once in the game but one of my friends used to do it all the time so it depends what sort of strategy you're going for <laughs> says a lot about the per- we can we can psychologically analyze the person based on their playstyle. <laughs> apparently one of the great things about it is there's a dice tower that's effectively a bird feeder that you put the dice in and it rolls down this little bird feeder what um two things one whereabouts is it on the board game ranking 20 and two how much does it cost on amazon oh i don't know that question let's have a quick google We'll cut out this little bit now. Sing amongst yourself. No, I want to keep it in. I want you to do that thing where people are typing like A M A Z O N Amazon. Now you're doing it. I'm literally spelling out wingspan in my head. But obviously, I have to spell out wingspan in my head to be able to do it. Great name for what it is. Yeah, this this is great listening as well because I've just gone onto the American website. So now I need to go back out and go onto the British one. 
sixty pounds. Fucking hell! I know. Right, okay, is it a sixty pound worth game? Yes, I would recommend that. Makes Which are you considering buying? Oh yeah, soon-ish? it's always been one that I've been considering buying all the time. Honestly, like I say, I've only played it in lockdown. I've only played it virtually, but it's still the same game virtually as it is in real life, and it's absolutely fantastic. We probably did have a random follower called Jonathan who just heard you on one pick and has left us forever. So thank you for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> My number two, both my one and two, are in the top twenty on Board Game Geek. So that shows how it goes. To, it was only a game released in two thousand nineteen, so it's not been out for that long. Yeah, I think I think it's going to show, doesn't it? Though that at the end of the day, game mechanics are more important than the, I guess, branding, which Absolutely. is ironic. My number one pick has got a huge, <laughs> yeah, well-known brand <laughs> attached to it. Your number one pick, then. So my number one pick is Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts. It's a great game. Now, if you are a Harry Potter fan, or your partner is, or brother, sister, whoever, buy it now. It's worth every penny for just a Harry Potter fan. It's worth it alone. I would say if you're not necessarily a Harry Potter fan, it's not the best one you can get of this type of theme. But it's probably the best one that we've played. Uh, yeah, as I say, I I disagree. But if you if you're a Harry Potter fan, easy, you'll love it. Yeah. Um, what it is is a deck builder game. So it plays through all seven books slash eight movies, uh, and you start with year one and you build your way up. And each year you go up and you complete the game gets a little bit more difficult and they start to add in some different rules and elements. But essentially, it's hard. It's pretty simple. There are Harry Potter villains. So for uh, year one, it is Crabbe and Goyle, it is Draco Malfoy, and it is Professor Quirrell. And essentially, you need to beat one, they go, and then the next one appears. And at the start of each turn, the bad guys have certain uh, powers that are there. So, for instance, Crab and Goyle's power, I think, is every time a card makes you discard a card from your hand, uh, you lose a life. Yeah. Um, and the aim is to beat these before they take away all your lives. Uh, and not your lives of character, but the lives of, of the game, I guess. Uh, and that comes from each turn you draw a dark arts card, and that could just be lose a uh, a game life. And once you've lose game life, and you get through all of them, then you, you fail. And what you it's do not, is you... Sorry, I'm going to stop you. It's not game life, it's uh, dark marks. Dark marks, there you go. If you get, put a dark mark on the board, if you get so many, you lose. And uh, you can essentially buy more cards with in-game currency. And you can buy things like Professor Dumbledore... You can buy famous items like uh, the Elder Wand. Uh, You can get lots of other allies from the... So Hagrid, Dobby, all things like that. And they essentially can give you things like lightning bolts. You can cause damage to the uh, villains. They can give you potions that will give you hearts, life towards your character. Uh, Or you can get really good cards that take away the dark marks. Uh, and that's essentially it. Like I say, it's a deck building card. So you pay to get your your deck better, uh, makes you more powerful and more likely to beat the villains. And as the years go up, it gets a little bit harder each time. And that's quite nice, actually, because we played this, didn't we, us four? Yeah. And we completed year one, I think, first time. Completed year two first time. I think we failed year three once, maybe. 
Um, and then year four, and then after that, we would fail two or three times, perhaps until I remember we six. We failed it. so many times. Hmm. And and that's what's nice. It's not too easy. And as well as the years went up, the game sessions were longer because you could play year one, I think, in thirty minutes flat, really, maybe less. But then when we did year seven, I think it was t- over two hours before we completed it. As a review, though, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of number of players. I've heard from people, if there's two of you, the game's far too easy. It was complete, completed really quickly from what I've heard. But then four of us, I think, was the perfect number to play this game. It was. However, that being said, Shauna and I um, play this as a two-player game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still really enjoy it. Oh, and what yeah. we'll do is just make it a little bit more difficult for ourselves. So we'll pick... Uh, We'll try and, for instance, when we do the deck building side, we'll, we'll try and pick things that would fit the character more than what's the best card available to buy. Yeah. So, uh, for example, or... you wouldn't pick, like, Fred and George if you was playing as Harry. You'd pick them only if you was playing as Bron. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so we, we try and pick things that... You can make it a little bit more difficult for yourself if you want to. Um, but, yeah, so... I agree, it is easier with two than four, but Shauna and I replay this game quite regularly. Um, I'd say at least once every couple months and still really enjoy it. No, I agree. It is a great game, to be fair. I was surprised at how good. Because, well, I picked another uh, deck building game in Munchkin. The difference between Munchkin and this one is Munchkin is against everyone. This is a co-op game. So it's quite fun and, in that regard. You're help, sort of helping each other out, but not helping each other out. And that's helped Shauna get into games a bit more. She's not that bothered about board games, but I think because it was co-op, it takes away that stress or compe- yeah. like I'm um, like ridiculously competitive to the point it's a bit of a problem. So Shauna hates playing competitive games with me because she basically says I turn to an arsehole, <laughs> um, which is probably true. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's quite nice to have a game where you're playing against the game rather than playing against each other. Yeah. As an honourable mention to this game as well, they've also got a great adaptate uh, sort of dueling version of it in which you play against each other, and it's exactly the same game and setup except you are against each other, and that is another good version of this one. They do make some great spin-offs using this mechanic. And I think as well sometimes with a big such a big IP because it uses the um, Harry Potter film images on there. So the quality, by the way, is fantastic. It looks, the box, the cards, uh, the quality is fantastic. Yeah, it looks um, like a uh, sort of um, case, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And um, so, yeah, it, it keeps that sort of movie tie-in, I guess. Like I say, it's the act, it's like Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert Grint as not just a drawing of them. And um, sometimes with that, you, they're rushed out to, to you know make money off the back of the films. Yeah. Uh, but this has been really well thought out and really well developed. No, I agree. It is a good game, and I really would recommend it. For me, it's not one of my top games, but it's e- I would say easily top ten. Yeah. So not top five, but top ten. I think the reason, again, one of the reasons why it's number one for me is because... I'm a I'm a geek anyway. I like like massively into 
to fantasy and into RPG games. I was always going to like role-playing games. Um, sorry, board games. So I was always going to get into it. I knew, you know, as soon as I played Celeste Catan, I knew, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this uh, and, and learn about more board games. Whereas Shauna was never into the concept of it and idea of it. So this yeah. was a great gateway game. for. So if you are someone who knows you'll like board games and you worry that your friend, your family members, your missus, you know, your fellow, whoever, won't be into it. This is a great board game to try and hook them in, especially if they like Harry Potter. But I would say, even without, even if they're not the biggest Harry Potter fan, the actual deck building, just the game mechanics, are fun. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I've played with someone who's not a huge Harry Potter fan at all. I wouldn't say he hated it, but he's not a huge fan. Uh, but he still just enjoyed the game itself anyway and got quite involved in it. Yeah. No, great choices. Are you happy that we've done this one? Because obviously you love board games. I do love board games, and there's so many I could talk about still. I've got, in my head, when I when we were discussing all this, I've thought of another one that I don't know myself, but it was another great game based on another famous IP, and that's, um, is it Spartacus Blood and Sand or Blood and Something? Yeah, based on um, the TV show, I take it. Yeah, so it's based on that, and what it is is you collect gladiators throughout the game, so you're the different sort of houses or whatever they're called in the uh, TV series or back in the era, should I say. Uh, yeah. And you collect um, gladiators and servants and stuff and you bid for them at an open market and bid for weapons in them. And then uh, the next stage would be that you bid to host the next fight. And then if you win to host the next fight, you pick two gladiators to fight in the next one. And obviously one of them might win and one of them might lose, but you place bets against it and then it turns into like an RPG type game where you're sort of moving across this board, these two players to fight each other and use their combat. And it's a really interesting game with a few different mechanics added into it. Buy it on Amazon now, we're playing. It. <laughs> it's one of those games that I'm pretty sure is very difficult to get hold of these days. Yeah, I imagine because it wasn't the most popular TV show. You know, it did well, but it's not like Game of Thrones level that they probably didn't make a huge amount of the board games. No. Um and then when the problem is when they're popular or when they're actually good games, people don't sell them on. I've literally just Googled Spartacus board game on, I say Googled, I've searched Amazon for a Spartacus board game and it's not on there. So we're going to have to eBay it. Yeah, it does look like it. But another game, if anyone ever comes across it, would recommend it. I think as well, with with the pandemic and with like so many people working from home and your screen time going up, I think getting into board games now is a perfect time. I think it's a nice way to get away from it. And again, having, you know, living a busy life as a teacher, I don't always spend as much time with Sean as perhaps I should do. So to have a board game where, you know, you have to put your your devices down, there's no TV on. Although we do like to put Harry Potter films on the background when we play Battle for Hogwarts because why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite nice to be able to spend that sort of quality time. And, I agree. You know, play it's a just game nice for an and... hour. Yeah, like I, I'm looking forward to when my um, well, unborn child currently, but soon to be born child, uh, grows mm-hmm. up, and we're able. Like, I've got this massive collection, and sort of we sit down as a family and play it all together instead of mm. sitting down in front of a TV. That's you've actually got to use your brain with some of these games as well, so it can be quite challenging. And sometimes, like Wingspan, it's educational. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. big question. Are you going to be a good parent to your child and let them play Monopoly? I have got, like I said, I've got four versions, so probably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, 
next week then do do we want to make any promises or do we want to <laughs> leave the let's not make suspense? any promises we don't like yeah. to sort of break our promises yeah, or do we M- maybe that can be our thing let's just make up <laughs> what we're going to do next week okay we're next week we're going to do our five top... dog breeds oh i was going to pick lampshades yeah at the same time <laughs> top five dog really breeds well. and top five lampshades can you tell I'm looking at a lamp right now? That's twice this has come into the conversation. I'm about to say, I feel like you're, t- <laughs> I am I feel like you're number one lamp is going to be a mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks for listening. Again, as always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Mammon Podcast, and you can also uh, send any messages to us on uh, mammonpodcast at hotmail.com. Yeah, we'd, lo- we'd love to see um, people on there. Like I said, I d- we do genuinely want to get interaction. It's really nice to see people's top fives and to try and do ones that are people's suggestions so shout out to who for this suggestion again uh it was charlie charlie shout out to charlie as well for uh picking top five board games for us and you've made mike a very happy man yeah because i enjoy this topic <laughs> all right see you all next time all right, cheers bye